Hey there, and welcome to the United Church Podcast. We are a new church here in Seattle committed to an ethic of love. We are striving to be a people united, united with Jesus, each other, ourselves, and the world around us. We hope you enjoyed this week's homily. Ten forty-five, West View Street, Decatur, Illinois six two five two two. That was my address growing up. It's kind of funny that you can always remember like your childhood address, like that one place where you lived. I still remember that first phone number as well two one seven four two two one five five seven. Right? Like it's really strange. I've never called it again, although I have had within me the idea to give it a call every so often be like, hey, this is my childhood phone number. Just going to see who owns it now. <laughs> right? <laughs> just to see. Just to see. But 1045 West View Street was located on kind of a, uh, kind of a two-block dead end. It ended on one end and ended on the other, and there were thoroughfares, and it wasn't in the greatest part of town that I grew up in. But it was a two-story sort of place with this basement that I never wanted to go into, that I was always terrified to go into the basement. You would make your way through the kitchen and around the corner, and there was the first set of stairs. It was only, it was only four steps to get down to the landing, which took you outside the back door. But if you turned left, there was this long flight of at least 20 stairs to get down into the darkness of the basement. I was terrified of that basement. Perhaps some of it had to do with the way in which the stairs were laid out. They were those stairs that, that had gaps in between it. So like as you walked down as a child, you always feared that someone was going to reach through and just grab your ankle as you walked by, right? Like those horror movie sorts of things. And, and as you made your way down, like the stairs, even the little flicker of the light switch didn't do enough to kill the darkness that was this basement. It only illuminated a single, like, I swear it was probably 10 watts, right? It like had no power to it whatsoever. That just kind of dangled from the rafters of the basement, down in the middle, right by the washer and the dryer, which was terrifying. Because when you were going down in the basement and the washer and dryer were running, you had the rumbles and the sounds of monsters gnarling at each other, of growling at each other, of just waiting to consume your five-year-old little body. It was terrifying. When you made it to the landing, the final bottom step of the stairs, and you looked left, there it was the furnace. And it was like one of those like cartoonish sorts of furnaces, right? It was really big and it glowed red, right? Almost like you could just see the coal that people would shove inside of it to keep it lit, to keep the whole house warm throughout the course of the evening. And you would come nearer and nearer and nearer to that furnace and every so often it would just kick right on the boom, and you'd be like, ah, and you'd run all the way back upstairs. 
But the whole reason why you went down into the basement in the first place, the whole reason that you wanted to spend time in the dark down there was to retrieve your G.I. Joe figure that from the top story of the house, the second floor, you had taken and attached a little parachute to and dropped down the laundry chute. <laughs> right? <laughs> there he goes floating. And what was great was you could never see it. You could never see it because it was just this dark thing and you would drop him down and oh, there he goes. Like he was gone in a split second. And then you would have to make your way down to find him in the midst of the clothing, in the midst of the darkness. And I tell you, every time I was terrified of the dark, of the basement, of the monsters that lived there, of the people that may have stowed away in the middle of the night and were living behind the furnace, Irrational sorts of fears, I tell you. Irrational, irrational fears. But it was always, always of the dark. Did you have those sorts of fears too? Was it the monster? Was it the monster under the bed? Right? That you were scared to get out of bed because, especially in the middle of the night, to go to the bathroom or to get a drink of water, because you were just convinced that the minute you stepped that foot down on the ground, the monster was going to reach out and grab it and suck you under into his netherworld. Right? Or, or maybe it was the closet. You were scared of the closet. Right? What was going to emerge from the closet or the shadows that would creep up along your walls in the middle of the night, made possible by the nightlight that you were for sure was going to get rid of all the monsters? Because monsters are scared of the light. Monsters can't come out in the light. It's not possible. As we grown older, as we grow up, some of those fears subside, although not completely. Just the other day, I was here in the building at night, terrified out of my mind because it's a dark church in the middle of the night, right? Like a dark building. I was scared of the dark at almost 40. It's true. I'm still somewhat terrified of the dark, but especially dark church buildings. That's a little creepy. There's so much space. Hello. 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 We also find ourselves scared of dark alleys in the middle of the day or in the middle of the night or in the middle of the afternoon. We find ourselves scared of the places that, that we just don't know what is their dumpsters. I've been scared to go out to the dumpster a time or two because I'm afraid of what might pop out or storage rooms. We are surrounded, surrounded by these sorts of fears because we are surrounded by darkness. Everywhere we look, there is darkness that surrounds us. And there are visible signs of this darkness everywhere we look. Visible signs of, of evil and of wickedness all throughout this world. It's so easy to see all of it that's around us. It's so easy to see the horrible things that happen. All we have to do is flip on the news. And once again, we are inundated with images, with stories of the darkness overtaking the world, consuming everything around us. We see the evil. We see the wickedness. We see the pain 
we see the trauma. And it's easy to find ourselves being discouraged, disheartened, finding ourselves becoming downtrodden or demoralized. And oftentimes asking ourselves, will anything ever change? Will this darkness ever, ever fade away? In John chapter 1, it's perhaps one of the best stories of the arrival of Jesus onto this world. It's a lineage of sorts. Matthew has his own lineage of what Jesus' ancestry looks like. Luke has his own lineage of what Jesus' ancestry looked like, both very historical, but both from very different perspectives. And here is John that provides his lineage of the arrival of Jesus. As we prepare ourselves as a church to step into this season of Advent, this season of anticipation, we too get to play a little bit this morning with a lineage. But John's lineage is really fascinating. If, if Matthew and Luke's lineage were from the perspective of Mary and from Joseph and of his earthly his earthly origins, John takes it to a different level, to a different space, and he begins like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of of all mankind, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Then in verse 9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. In this space, in this place where we find ourselves completely surrounded by the darkness, completely wondering where on earth where on earth this darkness comes from and if this darkness is ever going to succumb to the light. We have this amazing lineage of Jesus, this amazing story of him and of his light. This amazing story of his light coming into the world that will not be extinguished so easily. Candles are a fickle few. <laughs> I thought wicks were meant to light. Well, that light is not easily extinguished. That light is the light for all the world. As Jesus came into this world, his light was brought in the midst of the darkness. Jesus came to blot out the darkness. Jesus came to shine a light to eradicate the darkness that is around us. I find this is a really fascinating 
imagery and a fascinating metaphor that John is doing here because in the midst of that darkness, whenever I found myself walking down the steps of the basement into the dark, every so often I would find myself with a flashlight and I would flick it on. And everywhere I shone that flashlight throughout the basement, because there was only that 10-watt bulb hanging from the ceiling, whenever I would shine that flashlight into the corners, the darkness would flee. The darkness would run. The darkness was no longer there. And the monsters and the evil that sought to take me as a five-year-old child was eradicated with the power of light. In Colossians chapter 1, Paul writes this very beautiful hymn. He writes this about who this Jesus is. The Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. (coughs) Jesus came that we may have life, that the life that God breathed into us would be possible in us, and that that life was something a little bit different. He didn't do, he, he breathed this life into us so that we may breathe life into this world that we may live a different sort of way than the evil and the darkness that is so permeating our world, that is so permeating our lives. He breathed it into us that we may find not only that life and that light, but to convey it and bring it into this world around us. You see, Jesus invited us into this journey into this journey of light, into this journey of bringing light into the darkness. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, Jesus says to his followers, he says to us in the Sermon on the Mount, you are the light of the world. Whereas at the beginning of John, the light has come. Jesus is this light that has come into the world. And now in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, yes, the light has come into the world. And now you, my followers, my children, you are the light of the world. Jesus takes his light and he begins to spread it into each and every one of us. Because what happens with one candle in a dark room? It doesn't necessarily light the whole thing up. But what happens with 10 candles in a dark room? 15 candles, 20 candles, 100 candles, 200 candles in a dark room. 
the darkness is extinguished and the shadows begin to recede and push away further and further and further into the recess. Jesus has asked us, Jesus has called us to be the light in the world, that we would not only just be the light, but that we would share that light, that we would spread that light into others around us. You, me, we are the light of the world. The other day I came across a story in a friend of mine shared this story. It was from a professor at Lee University. His name is Jose Valentino. And this is what he shared. He said, Today, I was verbally attacked by a woman who had a problem with me parking next to her at this, in this parking lot for being a Hispanic. When I parked next to her and got out of the car, she said, I want to tell you something. You are so disrespectful. You could have parked anywhere else, and you chose to park right next to me. You should know your place, boy, among us in this town. He replied, Madam, I'm sorry I parked next to you. I, I didn't realize it was a problem for you. Please forgive me. The employee of the store was standing next to her and did not utter a word. The lady replied, If you want to live... In this town, you need to learn very quickly your place among us. An overwhelming patience with her took over me, he said. And I replied, Madam, Christ loves you. And I want to let you know that I love you too. The lady replied, You are not a Christian. I am a Christian. Don't fake like you are a Christian. People like you aren't Christians. The employee was standing next to her and did not utter a word. He replied, Madam, I love you and I am a Christian. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior and you are my sister in Christ. I love you the way Christ loves you and he wants to take away your burden. She replied, I don't want you to love me. And he said, that's okay. Jesus loves you regardless and I Love you regardless. The lady then cried and moved into her car and stayed there. He said, lesson learned, folks. Love is the answer. It can diffuse discriminatory situations. It's not easy. It's not easy. The heart is heavy and the light is dim. But Christ's love is the only thing I resorted to. Not cursing her out not making her feel dumb, not pulling the race card, just loving her. Needless to say, the employee told me he was shocked at her behavior and even more shocked as to why I was responding with love. He said, my student Jalil Muhammad was there to witness the event as he was with me and witness how Christ's love can conquer all the darkness that surrounds us. Now, on to be the light he has called us to be. Jose Valentino says now to be the light that he has called us all to be. I think we're one of four people in that story. We're either 
Jose Valentino, who responds with love, who steps into the situation and just opens up the embrace of love to hatred that gets poured out towards us. Or we're the woman in the situation that verbally abuses and attacks others around us, spreading the darkness more and more. The hatred, not just of racism and of, 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 of segregation and of pushing people away, but just hatred in general, of criticizing, of putting others down, of trying to make yourself better, more supreme than anyone else. Or perhaps you're the employee that stands there and does not utter a word does not do anything to share the light, to spread the light of love, to step in the gap in between the hatred and to say, I will take this abuse and this pain upon myself and I will step in to share and spread light in a different way. Or perhaps we're a student. Perhaps we're just like Jalil Muhammad who stood by and witnessed the whole thing and learned a new way of living in the midst of it. Which person in Jose Valentino's story are you? Tony Campolo said, said this, a spiritual truth. Don't let your eyes adjust to the dark. Don't let your eyes adjust to the darkness that surrounds us. Don't become comfortable in the darkness. Don't find yourself okay with what happens around us, but instead step forward and shine the light of love. Shine the light of Jesus's grace. Shine the light of Jesus's presence that is alive and well in you throughout the world. In every situation, in every possible circumstance that you come across, let that light shine into the world around you. And don't become comfortable in the dark. One of the songs that I learned as a kid, and that just a few years ago, just a couple of years ago at the Women's March, had an opportunity to sing again, which was really quite surprising. And strange and different, unexpected might be, the, might be the best phrase for it. Gathered around, surrounded by hundreds of thousands of people. I, I believe it was 600 plus thousand people in Seattle. This one small segment of the march began to sing. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, right? Over and over. This swelled chorus of hundreds of people around me began to sing it. It was perhaps one of the most powerful moments for me in the entirety of that march. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to let that light shine no matter what. In the midst of the darkness, this little light of mine that Jesus has given me, you are the light of the world. 
shall not be extinguished, shall not be hidden, shall not be put asunder, but shall shine brightly and widely in the midst of the darkness around us. Because the brighter that we let our light shine, the more people that we bring into this space around us to let that light shine together, the more the darkness flees, the more the darkness runs, the more the monsters and the goblins and the true evil that surrounds us is extinguished in our midst. Because here's what I truly believe more than anything. No matter how much the stories continue to pour out of darkness overtaking our world, of darkness having this voice that seems to be louder than anything else, I believe this more than anything. The light is winning. The light is winning. It's stories like Jose. It's stories of Muhammad. Of these men, of Jose and his student Jalil Muhammad, of them rising up in the midst of such hatred and shining a new light of love that casts out all fear, that casts out all darkness around them. I believe the light is winning. And I believe that we as a church community, as a people, as followers of Jesus, have not only the responsibility, but have the tremendous honor to share that light, to spread that light of love everywhere we go. But here's the thing. This is not something that is expected of us alone. We don't or are not expected to be the lone light. Jesus, when he said, you are the light of the world, was not saying, you are the light of the world. It was plural. Y'all are the light of the world. Every single one of you are the light of the world. Now band together, come together, and be together, and spread that light together throughout the world. That's why we locate in a neighborhood. That's why we are focusing all of our attentions and all of our energies here in this neighborhood. is to shine the light brighter here as a community, as a people, so that that light not only spreads throughout the highest hill in Seattle, but so that that light then can be moved into other neighborhoods throughout this city, that we may see a movement of light and of love powered by the awesome grace and mercy of Jesus in this city and beyond. You, y'all, are the light of the world. We get to do something beautiful and amazing and different. Just the other day, Taylor and Jen got to do this down at Tent City Five. One of the residents, a 15-year-old, needed some extra clothing for school. And Jen and Taylor took her out shopping, a shopping spree. 
so to speak, to provide her with a brand new wardrobe, like a whole new wardrobe, taking her to like Old Navy and Target and all these places around so that she could experience something different and something new. They were sharing and spreading the light of Jesus together, the two of them. Robert did it like all day on Thanksgiving, banding together with people to serve food throughout the entirety of the day on Thanksgiving, eschewing his own Thanksgiving meal <laughs> to do this with others. We had people that went down after a Thanksgiving meal to Tent City to serve a whole meal to them that evening. We get to be the light together as we band together, as we hold together and hold firm, powered by the grace and mercy and love of Jesus, we get to do something different. We get to be something different. And we get to make a difference in this world. Because you see, the light is winning. And the more you and I band together, the more that together we band with one another to share and spread that light, we will see more light winning in this city over and over and over again. Because we are the light. You are the light. Be the light. Spread the light. The invitation this morning is simple. Come into this. Step into this, walk into this together with one another, arm in arm, heads held high, eyes forward, focusing on the light of Jesus ahead of us, stepping into that light and being that light together. Thank you for listening to this week's homily. If you're in Seattle, we'd love for you to join us on Sundays at noon at 1316 3rd Avenue West in Queen Anne. If you'd like to support our efforts, please visit unitedchurch.gives to partner with us financially. Be in peace and God bless.